0: into a Friday edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast got the whole crew back together Mohammed Ahmad with you alongside Andrew Gillis and Mike Nislick as we continue our off-season breakdowns involving cap space free agency And everything leading up to free agency in March and the combine and everything. But taking it day by day, we continue breaking things down. And before we get to that, folks, make sure you sign up for Cincinnati Football Insider. Get all of the exclusives and bonus content that only you will get as a subscriber. And to subscribe, it's easy. You just go to cleveland.com slash bangles. Click on that blue banner at the top of the page. 14-day free trial, and if you like it and you want to stick with it, it's 4.99 a month. Again, exclusive subscriber content, including podcasts, if you subscribe. So make sure you go to cleveland.com/bengals to sign up. And just jumping right into the thick of things, uh, the big talk with the Bengals, of course, is running back Joe Mixon in his aggravated, menacing charge. Legality aside, that whole conversation aside, um, even leading into all that happened, you know, there is. A lot of talk about Mixon and what his future could look like in Cincinnati. Uh, Just given the fact that if you look at his cap space, um, should the Bengals release him to, again, this is a hypothetical. If you're thinking about signing Joe Burrow to an extension, uh, a long-term extension, and you want to make room for that, there was rumors that, or talk rather, that there's a possibility Mixon could be in the talks of having his deal restructured and or being released um, if they were to cut him or trade him after June 1st, they could save up to over $10 million. Should it be before that, it'd be just over seven and a half million dollars. So really, just to jump into a guy's, you know, if you're looking at this again, legality aside, all of that aside, just strictly based on Mixon's numbers, Mixon's performance, uh, and you know, wanting to extend Joe Burrow on the long term, and maybe T. Higgins, who we'll get to later. What do you make of Mixon's performance? Is it worth keeping him? Do you let him go to make the cap space? How do you kind of look at that? If you're setting the stage for the Bengals in the future,
1: well, I think that uh, it depends what they want to get out um, of the running back. You know, I think with the running back. Room, I mean, I with this case, it's obviously it's obviously really I'm trying to get some uh, really touchy right
2: good. now. Uh, so I think if if in terms of kind of everything, you you wait and see how everything plays out. But um, you know, from an from an on field perspective. Um, you know, I think the Bengals would have liked to have more from their running game this year. Um, you know, that you kind of saw throughout the year as, uh, you know, they, they kind of didn't rely on the run as much as they did early in the year. I mean, the first game of the year, he had 27 carries, you know, he had 24 a few weeks later. Uh, he had 22 at a game where they blew out the Panthers and, you know, kind of for the rest of the year, he was in the low teens, um, you know, 11, 14, things like that. He really wasn't getting a ton of touches. So, um, you know, I think you would like to have more. Um, you know, I, I've seen you know a lot of fans talk, and I and I think that it's valid that uh, you could see the Bengals looking for a running back in this year's draft. Um, you know, we can get into it with one of our topics that we're going to talk about later. But uh, there are some some really interesting contract talk to have. There are really interesting contract talks to have about kind of the future of some positions for the Bengals, and running back is one of them. Um, you know, P Ryan's a UFA. Trevion Williams is a UFA. So right now the only two running backs that you have under contract for this year and for 2024, for that matter, are Joe Mixon and Chris Evans. So, um, you know, I think for, for the Bengals, they're never going to be a run-first team, but, uh, you you know, they kind of switch from, you know, the word totality at the beginning of the year to efficiency at the end of the year, and, and they've got to find a way to be more efficient.
1: What do you think, well, Mike? They could also find a running back that fits more of their style, that pass-heavy style. Um, you know, a, a guy. I think you mentioned this, Andrew, that you know Kansas City has found running backs to sort of fit in that mold a lot better. Um, you know, in, in terms of what they're trying to do, because I, I think that the Bengals like the identity that they have, where they're not much of a run team, where they are they're, they're going to, you know, the run the run game is basically passes out of the backfield, you know, screens and things like that. Um, in terms of mixing. Uh, you know, I think it makes a certain amount of financial sense if they would release him. Um, but how much draft capital do you want to be able to invest in the position? You know, they've got some other needs. Uh, it's you know, probably will dependent on how they rank those things because they could probably get away with another year of Mixon um, where he's efficient enough um, for what they need if they want to invest elsewhere. Um, but I also think if they like a back, um, especially with one of those high-round picks, that they they can certainly go in that direction. I think it'll depend... I don't think they're pressed for cap room in terms of like, they don't need to make, they had enough cap space to absorb Joe Burrow's contract extension right now in the the first couple of years. Um, So that's not like as pressing of a need, but it will depend on what they do at some of those other positions.
0: Yeah. You make a good point. I mean, it's not like they're in this situation where, you know, they have to do it. They have to save the money. Like it's not dire. It's not pressing, you know, even with all the other free agents that we've been talking about all week and, with just the future with Joe Burrow and even T Higgins and even more long-term beyond that. I, I don't think it's anything urgent, but I do also see Andrew's point that there's a lot of great uh, running backs in the draft. I mean, you think about the senior bowl, which is coming up on Saturday. I think one guy to watch is Chase Brown, uh, junior running back out of Illinois who declared for the draft. He's just under six feet. He's got a lot of finesse. I know Devin Occhin from Texas A&M, Funny enough, he kind of reminds me of Trayvon Williams, who you also mentioned is a a UFA because they both went to Texas A&M. They're both 5'8", and they both weigh about the same. Um, I think their styles are very similar. I'd say Odd Chain's a little bit – he's a little bit faster. He's got a little more finesse in his game, but he's also a kick returner just like uh, Trayvon Williams. So, you know, if the Bengals decide maybe they want to go with him, uh, someone who's younger, fresher – maybe try him out or, you know, just get him anyway, kind of have him compete there. That'd be interesting. But yeah, it's it's a very running back rich draft. You can't go wrong with any of the other guys on this list. I mean, I doubt the Bengals would get him, but like even FB John Robinson, like Jameer Gibbs, it just shows you there's a lot of good names no matter who the Bengals get. Um, so I do see that side of it. If you kind of want to make the case for why you should, I'm not saying you should, but why you'd want to release Mixon aside from just the fact that you could save anywhere from 7 to $10 million is, you know, uh, Brian Callahan, the offensive coordinator, has always talked about efficiency, efficiency, efficiency. I think for the most part, Mixon has been efficient. I don't think it's been the most efficient season of his career. He showed those flashes of it. He had those games where people would say otherwise, and rightfully so. But I don't know that he's the most efficient. And, I mean, he's he's not old. He's only what he's 26 he'll be 27 in July um and he's he's got two years left on his contract so I don't I I personally don't think that's someone you get rid of however I can also see the implications as to why you could for saving money you know building depth either with P Ryan and or Williams and or the draft uh and maybe even free agency for all we know but speaking of P Ryan, I want to kind of talk about him more next week just him specifically but Do you see the Bengals keeping him? And if so, like, how do you kind of see them coming to a deal with Piran? Do you think it's kind of the same as what he made this year? Do they bring him in for cheap? You know, how do you kind of evaluate Piran and where he fits in?
2: Yeah, you know, I think it depends on what we're going to do with Mixon. I think you can't have a Piran conversation without a Mixon conversation. Um, But, like, I'm glad Mike brought this point up. It it, it is a point of resources. Um, The Bengals are not exactly flush with draft picks. They pick once in every round. You... Are you really going to invest, you know, a second round pick in in a guy if you if you need a starting running back? You kind of have to make that a priority. Um, I'm not sure that this draft is necessarily good for for running backs. I think it's uh, good for the Bengals for running backs because you know, obviously Bijan, like Bijan, is in a class to me that Jonathan Taylor and Saquon Barkley and Ezekiel Elliott were just in terms of their talent coming out. But after that, I, I'm not sure you're getting bona fide this guy's RB1 on day one. Like, I'm not sure you're getting that. So, But I'm not sure that's what the Bengals need. Um, you know, right. I, I really like AJ, and I mentioned him much Twitter before. Um, you know, he ran a four two four 2 4 at one of his previous uh, 40-yard dashes, so he can fly. So I think that that is kind of what the Bengals are looking for. Uh, but if you're going to get rid of Pirine, you need – you know, it, like, let's say you you pick a guy in the mold of a chain where you get a guy who's really fast, who can return kicks. You need a guy who can run block. You need a guy who can, you know, maybe run between the tackles a little bit, who can, who can play physical. Um, so it, it just depends on what his dollar figure is going to come in at and, and what you kind of think you can invest resource-wise in the draft.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's the priority. I mean, certainly he's a reserve guy that's for depth. So, I mean, they're going to have, uh, you know, bigger conversations. It will depend on what he what kind of role he wants. I think he seemed okay with where, where he was at. So, I mean, maybe he comes back, um, you know, because he likes it there. Um, but certainly I think uh, on your list of priorities, he's, he's very much kind of lower down.
0: Yeah, I mean – Again, I think obviously the priorities burrow the priority is, you know, trying to keep other free agents like Hayden Hurst, uh, who we also talked about this week, and Von Bell. And of course, I mean, Jesse Bates and Jermaine Pratt, I think that's a safe bet to say, those guys are gonna be moving on. But those guys, among other names are important. But stay with us when we come back. uh, Jeff Butch Hobson, as I like to call him is going to join me to talk about all things free agency in the Bengals, as he is the Bengals team writer, if you didn't know that already. He'll talk about free agency, cap space, and he also kind of weighs the pros and cons of keeping or releasing Mixon, as we've been talking about, and much, much more as we return right here on the Strictly Stripes podcast. And thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. Joining me is my special guest, Bengals team writer, Jeff Hobson, who has covered the team for over two decades now for the Bengals, used to cover them even longer than that with the Cincinnati Inquirer. So I think it's safe to say he knows a thing or two about the Bengals. Uh, Butch, as we like to call you, how are you doing? Or as you like to say, how are you doing with your Bostonian accent? Which I love it, by the way. For those who haven't heard and who are about to hear it, I honestly love it.
3: Mo, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I'll I'll, I'll forget that you're wearing that Kentucky jersey because... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> At, uh, a a devastating loss in the 96 title game, so I have to, uh, with uh, the Orangemen and the, the Wildcats, so I have to, yeah. that's okay, you're okay. That's a good one. <laughs> that
0: was uh, two years before I was born, so I was negative two when that happened, but I, it, I'll, I'll, I'll let you go for that one. It's but.
3: usually younger than most of the things I talk to you about. Yeah.
0: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. man, that is crazy. But yeah, I for those who don't know, I did go to Kentucky, so um, you can't see it. But I'm wearing a Kentucky shirt right now on our call. But uh, Bush is jumping right into it. I mean, we're in the offseason. I don't think anybody expected to be here. Not me, not you. Certainly not the Bengals. Um, You know what I've talked with Andrew Gillis about is that, you know, not only was that AFC championship game such a winnable game. But I want to ask you about this. I believe, and Andrew agrees with me, this was the best Bengals team in team history to not make or win a Super Bowl. I oh, really yeah. believe that.
3: Yeah. I Do agree. You- yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they won a division, they won a. they won ten straight games and they uh and they won two playoff games. Yeah. I mean that's uh uh the best you know those Super Bowl teams did that. They won two, you know, they uh they didn't do that. They didn't win 10 in a row, and they didn't win back-to-back division titles. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's the best uh, best Bengals team probably not to go to the uh, – you know, I think you also – probably I think that 2015, 2015 team was pretty good too, but they didn't win a playoff game. So Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and so that's what I think makes for probably – One of the most interesting off seasons in team history on top of one of the best non winning Super Bowl team seasons in team history, Um, you know, for the Bengals, they've really cashed out in free agency, you know, the last three years. They certainly seem to be in position to do that since you only have one player on offense who started last year who's not on contract, that's Hayden Hurst. Defensively, a little tougher. Uh you have Logan not Logan Wilson, I'm sorry, Jermaine Pratt, Jesse Bates, Von Bell who are all set to become free agents. You also have the added possibility that Louie Anarumo is being interviewed for head coaching jobs like with the Arizona Cardinals, as is Brian Callahan, but let me ask you this. Assume a situation where Lou Rumo becomes a head coach of the Cardinals or gets a job somewhere else in the future before this season, and you don't keep Jesse Bates, and you don't keep Jermaine Pratt, which Andrew and I and Mike Nislik and I believe is likely. How big of a hit is that, and how rep- how replaceable is that to where you can get that defense on the same level it was last year with those said guys?
3: Well, it'd be tough. I mean, it would be tough, obviously, because Pratt is – the best linebacker, nobody knows. And, uh, I agree. uh Lou, Lou is, uh, you know, Lou's obviously the hub of this thing, you know, uh, but I don't think it would be, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's all in ashes. Uh, I think if you went, I think if you stayed in on the staff, I think you probably want to stay in the staff, right? Mo? I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but he's, he's, uh, crafted such a good scheme here. You probably want to have some kind of continuity, you know, and you certainly have, you certainly have some estable guys there. That could do that, and you know you'd have to, uh you know, if you if you're not planning on one of those safeties coming back, I think you certainly have a uh you have I think you get a solid guy in Dax Hill coming on the way, you know, and you got to find out, you know, that, that obviously, you know, replacing Pratt in this hypothetical situation would be difficult because he's uh, what I think PFF had him rated the second best coverage back yeah. in the game, so, absolutely, you know, so yeah, so he he wouldn't, you know, but this is. This is what this is what happens when you have a you know, when you have a great team. You got to you got to keep plugging. Literally, you got to keep plugging in. So but I think the biggest thing to me, the biggest question is the uh, you know, is, is is if Lou left, if there was scheme continuity, I, I think that's pretty important. I think they probably want to keep this thing going, you know.
0: Well, you got to consider he's one of the only defensive coordinators to beat Patrick Mahomes three times and almost, yeah. almost really could have, should have beaten him a fourth time. Yeah. Most defensive coordinators would drool to be able to say something like that. I also yeah. think you have to consider that he stopped Nick Chubb, he stopped Derrick Henry, he stopped Deshaun Watson. Like yeah. the AFC is not getting any easier. It's only getting harder yeah. because you still have to deal with all those names. You have Josh yeah. Allen, who he also dealt with. I shouldn't forget that name. And, right. yeah, I mean, you know, Trevor Lawrence is going to be on the schedule next year. They head to Jacksonville, and, I mean, he's only gotten better since the Jaguars took him number one overall. So, man, that could be, again, not in the ashes. I like that description that you use, but it's it's tough. Um, it's certainly tough. I think losing Bates would be tough, but the Bengals have clearly planned for this. They drafted Dax Hill. They also yeah. drafted Tyson Anderson late in the draft last year to add more depth Behind him, right? You think Von Bell returns? I believe Von Bell is one of those players that I think just naturally comes back. But I also think if you lose Jesse Bates, I'd imagine you have to at least keep Von Bell.
3: Yeah, I, you know I'm looking at a guy, uh, Aaron Glenn, uh get who who's a uh, who coached uh, Bell and uh, Bell and uh, uh, I think he coached Bell in New Orleans. I'm pretty sure. Sounds um, about right. Is, is uh, you know he's he's getting some play as a head coach. So, you know, you, you know, would that be a match there in free agency? I think they got I think Bell's a guy, you know, I mean, I, I, he has been on and off the field. He's been such a key part of this thing, you know, I mean, and, and you know, you go back to the uh, the pick in the AFC championship game. Uh, but, you know, the, the play in New England, I mean, and just what he does every day, showing up at six in the morning in the weight room and the tone that he sets. He's been huge, you know, and then. You know, you talk about Lou, and, and, and you would have thought Denver would have been interested. They're going to have to beat Mahomes. You know, you would have thought Denver yeah. would have been interested. I mean, they obviously got a great hire in Peyton, but sure. if you're looking at beating Mahomes twice a year, there's a guy for you. And All I right. think, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, they were uh, – I think uh, quarterbacks, uh, you know, not only are they doing a great job against the run. What, I think they were seventh uh, against the run, but I think they also had the lowest completion percentage in the league, I think, uh, quarterbacks throwing at them. So – Oh I mean, yeah. You know, this guy's uh but it also speaks to the talent they've had uh back there. It speaks to the two safeties. It speaks to how good Awuzie was playing before he went down and then how good Eli and and uh, Cam Taylor Britt played coming off the bench too. So it's uh and that's an interesting spot too as a corner. Uh what do you do with Eli? Eli's up and uh So what, you know, what
0: do you do with Eli? I want to ask you that. What do you do with Eli Apple at that point?
3: I think you try I think you try and sign him. I think the guy's been I think the guy's been I think the guy's been really good. I think he's been, you know, say what you want about Eli Apple. He's been on two defenses. One went to a, you know, they both went to the conference championship. And uh, he's made some big plays. And, you know, everybody thought, you know, this team was going to be in trouble when Owousie went down. And uh, they didn't lose a game until the conference championship game. So he's doing something right back there, I think. So, but can you sign everybody? I don't know. (laughs) You know, in a perfect
0: doing. world, you you would think that'd be easy, but... Yeah.
3: He'd be a perfect co- third corner, right? In a perfect world, but, you know, it's... it's How much do you pay for third corner? How much he, How much is Eli going to want? Is that going to be a match? You know, a lot to play out.
0: Well, what makes that difficult on top of that? I mean, it goes without saying that, you know, trying to extend V. Joe Burrow is going yeah. to be the biggest talk of the offseason outside of the draft and free agency, you know you know this team the ins and outs better than almost anybody who covers a team what do you anticipate an extension would look like how does it compare to maybe what Patrick Mahomes is making Josh Allen is making you know the big name quarterbacks and how do you see both sides coming to an agreement if you just had to kind of speculate on that
3: yeah I don't know that all that is all that is excellent structure how's it going to be structured all that I don't know I do know this it, it's not going to surprise me if it's the biggest. Contract of all time, of all Mike time, not not yeah. right
0: now, but of all time.
3: Well, we're right. I mean, well, of right now, I mean, it would be. It, it would probably be. It would probably be passed in three days by somebody else. But I'm saying it would be when he signs it. It will probably be the biggest of all time. I, that won't surprise me because he did that twice with Boomer Esiason. Twice he made him the highest player in the league. He also made Cassim Palmer the highest paid player in the league. So, if I'm guessing. I, I would doubt I, – that's probably where we're headed.
2: Right? Absolutely. But well, what,
3: well, what the structure would be or what, how, how many years or, uh, you know, who, God knows.
0: So here's another curveball. There's two other guys that come to mind when it comes to who and why could they get an extension not named Joe Burrow. Of course, and you'd agree with me on this, that would be T. Higgins and yep. Logan Wilson do you see either of them getting an extension this off season? and if so who do you see being more likely to get one if if that's the case
3: yeah I don't you know that's 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 really hypothetical I hate to deal on that I mean I think they'll put they're gonna probably go I mean I would assume they're gonna go after both guys but uh you know I mean I I yeah that's that's a tough call to say you know both or one of them or which one you know I mean I think uh although i I will say this, this is the earliest the cap has been. It seems to me this is the earliest the cap number has been out in a long time. Usually they're trying to jam that thing in like uh, like 16 hours before free agency starts. So they'll have some time to look at it. But, you know, I think it You know, it depends on other deals, too. You know, it depends. It depends on guys that they got to get now because they do have that. You know, those guys do have another year. I would, sure. it, you know, it's not going to yeah. shock me. They're going to make a run at them. But also, too, like historically, those deals are usually done, you know, close to the training camp, too, traditionally. But I guess probably tradition's off the board now because you're trying to to get a deal with Burrow.
0: Yeah, and that's what makes it so unique is, you know, they've given the big dollars to Carson Palmer. They've given it to Andy Dalton. So history would say that they're going to give it to Burrow, but with just how much better he is with respect to those quarterbacks, I mean, you got to imagine that they're going to really – Shovel out the big bucks for Burrow in respect to those guys. But when you talk about saving money, of course, I know the Bengals aren't a team that traditionally like to deal with dead cap space, dead cap money. But if you're going to make room for someone like that, there might have to be some tough conversations to be had. One player that comes to mind with respect to him is Joe Mixon. The Bengals, I know, value efficient running backs, not just guys who can get stats. Mixon struggled a little bit with that this year, um, especially in comparison to his Pro Bowl season last year. You know, they extended him in 2020, but, you know, that's almost three years ago at this point. Do they have the tough conversation with him about, you know, maybe restructuring his deal or going the route of, you know, it's been nice, but we might decide to go another direction? I mean, how how do you think that might play out or do you think they stick with him and just give him another chance uh,
3: on on the deal that he has right now? They don't like dead money. They don't. They don't like dead money. And I think that's, you know, I... Uh, and it's it's not
0: it's not cheap for Mix either. It's quite a bit of dead money if they go that route.
3: So that's, a, again, that's a hard... Uh, traditionally, traditionally and historically, that answer would be no. If you went by tradition.
0: Yeah, that'd be five and a half million dollars if they were to go that route. It would save them 7.3 million in the cap, but... And you look at the dead money and it's almost like there's not much of a difference there. So it may actually, I think you could say it does you more harm to do that. And in all fairness to Mixon, I think, you know, they got used to a new offensive line this year. It was a different setup for him. You know, I don't know. You were with the team, you know, that Super Bowl year. It seems like maybe they were more pass heavy this season. So maybe his reps were different. And in defense of him, the middle of the season, he played some of his best ball. Obviously, you'd like to see him do more of that at the end of the year with exception to that Buffalo game where he didn't have as much as that, but, you know, I'd imagine besides mixing, unless they want to consider that with Collins, which I don't think they would, because I think Collins showed a lot of promise before he tore his ACL. Clearly it's going to be a long road to recovery. He may not even be ready by the middle of the season since he got injured in December. But like you said, they don't like to take that route. They've done it, but I mean, you look at the three guys they've done it with for the most part since 2019. I mean, Geno Atkins, Trey Waynes, Drake Kirkpatrick, all of those guys were either aging or it just really wasn't going to work out one way or the other. I think in those cases right. you had to, but I think that's how conservative they were with it. And I think they'll stay that way. But I want to kind of wrap up with this. What, you know, maybe looking ahead to the draft is too soon, or I guess it's not too soon. It's two months away what is the most pressing area of concern the Bengals should focus on in this year's draft? Is it tackle? Is it cornerback? Is it added depth at running back in case, you know, maybe Mixon isn't the long-term answer? Like, where do you see them focusing their draft priorities?
3: I think, you know, it's going to probably be impacted by what happens in free agency. Mo. you know uh, what they can get done with some of their own guys. You know, I think, uh, you know, you're always going to, you're always looking for, you know, you're always looking for a line, you know, you're always looking for an offensive lineman. You're always looking for a cornerback. Those are always, those are kind of the first two things that pop into mind, but what if they can't, you know, what if they don't bring back some of these guys? What if they can't bring back some of these guys? Then maybe that's a, maybe that's a position, you know, they attack. Uh, I think a lot of it depends on, uh, on free agency, uh, on what happens and then, you know, the, the days of, you know, those, those, those day, the last three years of getting those major free agent signings. Now those are going to be internal signings. Those are going to be, and those don't get as hailed. Those don't get as hailed or as uh, publicized or as congratulated as if you go out and sign somebody, Right. Sign somebody else, but they're just as important, you know, and you probably spend probably more on keeping your own guys. And they 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 went through that about ten years ago. Um and 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 uh you know after some really really terrific drafts uh you know the AJ Green Dalton draft and some of those drafts, Sanu, Marvin Jones, uh some of those drafts. And it, it's gonna be Dunlap and Gino, you know, some you know, they picked up some some hell of some players there and they got and Michael Johnson got uh, got a second contract uh eventually. So these are uh, you know, now though now those are now the second ta- now the second contracts are gonna be the big deals.
0: Yeah, and like you said, we talked about Bell. I think Hayden Hurst is somebody you absolutely want to keep. He wants to be here. He's not been shy about that. He loves being in Cincinnati. I think the Bengals love to have him in Cincinnati just as much. I think if you kind of go down the second tier list of players, I mean, you look at some JP Ryan. Do they keep him? Uh, yeah. Travion Williams, backup running back, kick returner. Do they decide to move on from him and maybe fix that in the draft, or stick with him and give him you know another chance to have some depth behind Mixon and or P Ryan, depending on what happens with them. Um, that you know an interesting one that Andrew and I talked about was that long snapper Cal Adamitis, Clark Harris. Mm-hmm. Do you think though though they bring both of those guys back? By the way, do you think they compete for that spot, or do you think maybe they're they're set on Adamitis at this point?
3: It's a good question. I mean, it's. I think that's probably in Clark's. That's probably in Clark's court, I would imagine. But uh, I, you know, I think I think they like what Cal did, you know. Uh, but I, you know, I don't know. Uh, I think, you know, if Clark wanted to maybe give it another go, you know, they pro- I don't know. That'd be an interesting question. I think that's an interesting question. I mean, you know, what are they going to do with punter? I think that's probably a question. Sure. Uh, that's probably, you know, that's a question. That's probably a major question. Uh yeah, yeah
0: because there's so Kevin they, Huber's not on the team anymore. They they didn't right. sign him to a future reserve deal, so he's pretty much right. not on the roster anymore. Right.
3: right, And are they gonna go, you know? I mean, uh are they gonna uh would they draft a punter? I don't know. I think I think that's probably a question.
0: Yeah, I mean they, they drafted a kicker, so it's yeah. definitely not out of the question. I mean pretty good kicker too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd say it's pretty good. I'd say yeah, they, he goes by Money Mac is what I've been told. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, no, that really did work out. So I mean, if you ever want to question drafting a uh, a special teams player, that is not one the question because he has solidly proved himself. Well, Butch Never enough time on this podcast. We could go on and on about the length no of the season. But, right. you know, covered a lot of great ground with you. Uh, and you're one of the best people to turn to. You you know the ins and outs of this organization. and you, you do a great job just, you know, hitting everything on the nails. So I appreciate you and your time again, Jeff. Thank you.
3: Mo, thanks very much. Keep up the good work. I hope it's the first of many we do.
0: Likewise, sir. Likewise. You take care, my friend. You too. Take care. We'll see you
3: soon. See you in Don't- Indy.
0: Yes, sir. Don't go away. We'll be right back on the Strictly Stripes podcast. And thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. So we talked about cap space with Joe Mixon, kind of evaluating. Do you keep Travion Williams? Do you keep Samaj P. Ryan? If not, what does the draft kind of look like? We went through some names kind of prematurely, uh, especially with the Senior Bowl being on Saturday. And maybe I'm going out on a limb here, but if you kind of look at, you know, the the cap savings and dead money um, the Bengals have as far as, like, who has the most among players, one name sticks out to me, and that's Lyle Collins. So Collins, should he be, I mean, this is theoretical, obviously, should he be released after June 1st? The Bengals could save over seven and a half mil. If they were to do it before that, it'd be just over six million I don't think they would do that just given that he had a pretty solid showing his last couple of games before he's he tore his ACL, but he's almost 30. He tore his ACL. He's certainly, I would think, I would guess, won't be ready towards the beginning of the year unless he miraculously shows otherwise. But would it even make sense to assume that Collins being a cap hit and releasing him is a possibility? Or do they give Collins at least another year and then kind of assess that in 2024?
2: I'd give him another year um, because, you know, you're talking about a team that's not going to be up against it. If this team were up against it in terms of the cap, I think you're having a bigger problem. Um, you know, there's there's a looming 2024 question that's kind of going to be surrounding this team. But, uh, you know, Collins has two years left. Uh, I would not be surprised if the Bengals, for reasons that we'll get into later as well, but I would not be surprised if they invest highly in a tackle. You know, I, I agree. And I'm talking round one, round two, You know they've shown the ability, or I guess the patience, to invest in a player, a la Dax Hill, and the the plan with Cam Taylor Britt, where you'll draft a guy in round one, and if you don't play him in year one, they're going to be okay with that. They're going to feel okay with that. So I I don't think that you, you know, I think some teams kind of get into this, you know, this this problematic phase where they say, okay, we need to draft for need. Uh, good teams draft the best players available. And if you have a player who's sitting there that you really like, that can play offensive tackle, I think uh, they certainly would not be, would not be afraid to pull the trigger. Um, And uh, you know, I, I certainly could see that kind of come into fruition, but you know, for me, for Collins, I think, you know, he played at the beginning of the year, I think he kind of got, maybe rightfully so a lot of flack for kind of how he played and how the whole offensive line played. But I thought as the year went on, he kind of really improved. So I think you give him another year, see how he feels. But again, he he's had some back issues. There were some issues throughout the year that kind of worry you, you know, injury wise with, with kind of what his health is going to be. So, uh, I, yeah, I would not be surprised at all if, if they invest in a tackle.
1: Well, he releasing him doesn't really save them much money. I and mean, he's, his deals really bonus, uh, Laden, so I mean it's like he gets a per game Bonus so if he's still injured at the start Of the year um, you know They won't have to pay him very much I mean his Base salary is I think 3.5 Million next year and his dead cap Money is 3.3 so um, There's really no reason to release him You can kind of keep him and hope you can get something out of Him but if he can't play and he's not Of use I mean you, you just have you, you don't Have to pay him as much because won't get those Bonuses and you can kind of see what you have uh, It'll depend on his health uh, But you know in terms of Moving on, it wouldn't make much sense probably in, in 23 to do it just because you're you've already invested um, to get them. Um, so yeah, I would I would think that they'd keep them, but sort of start looking to the future.
0: Yeah, I think no matter what you do with Collins, which again I'm I'm with Andrew like like you said. I I mean you keep him another year, let him get healthy, heal from his injury, uh, and obviously there is a concern. You know uh, he did have those back issues, and he had a Veterans' Rest Day you know, with guys like DJ Reader, but especially for him, I mean, he really needed that physically, so. But, again, you give him a chance, see where things are at in 2024, but, you know, it does make a lot of sense to, to get a tackle because you have Jonah Williams going into his fifth-year option and what could be his final year. Uh, Hakeem Adeniji is going into the last year of, of his contract, and so, you know, I think it'd be interesting to see, like, You know, do you move him to right tackle and have Jackson Carmen and Hakim Adiniji compete at left tackle and then kind of get somebody behind them and kind of groom them for 2024? I don't know, but I I think regardless, uh, you want to have that depth. They obviously didn't re-sign Isaiah Prince to the practice squad. Uh, He's in Denver now, so they've already lost one guy. And Max Sharping is a free agent, and we don't know what will happen with him. I I would think the Bengals would re-sign him, but if they don't, then that just makes it not pressing, but obviously more worth you know, putting more attention on a tackle, but we talk about, we talk about Joe Burrow's extension and I want to devote a whole podcast this later, but of course, while everyone's focusing on that, there's a lot of focus on T Higgins's. I want to say potential extension. Um, I also bring this up because Dove Kleinman, who uh, he has 120,000 followers on Twitter says he covers the NFL. So he misattributed and misquoted Paul Daner jr. From the athletic who granted, Paul Diener Jr. wasn't quoting anyone. He wasn't quoting the front office. He was just doing an analysis on what a T. Higgins extension could look like, what it would mean, and what would happen if the size will come to agreement. Again, this is his own opinion, his own analysis, but Kleinman made it sound like, oh, if the Bengals don't come to an agreement, they're going to trade Higgins for draft picks, kind of like the Tennessee Titans did with A.J. Brown to draft Traylon Burks. That is not what's going to happen. This is just Paul Daner simply saying what could happen. Um, and he clarified that. He clapped back at Kleinman on Twitter, which I love just absolutely knowing Paul, who we all know him. He is absolutely great, and we've had him on this podcast. But, I mean, you got to think about it. They're not pressed for cash, but you know, Burrow's not going to be cheap, and other free agency signings aren't going to be cheap. What if you had to kind of guess? Like, what would you, if you were a GM, what would you extend T. Higgins for, and how much? Like, what does an extension look like, and how likely do you think it is to come to that before you know this coming season?
2: Well, I think dollar figures are hard to project right now, um, just because you you have to look at what other players are, um, you know, what other players are coming up this year. What does the free agent market look uh, look like in terms of what receivers are getting paid? Um, because you got to remember like T Higgins, draft year was, uh, was obviously, um, T Higgins draft value was obviously, or draft year was 2020. So he's coming up with the guys who came up with him, you know, he, he's in the same class. So, you know, to me, the bigger conversation is, um, obviously this is without any one year deals. This is obviously talking a year in advance, but as of right now, uh, Tyler, these are guys scheduled to be free agents in 2024. Some notable names. Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, Jonah Williams, D.J. Reader, Logan Wilson, and Chidobe Awuzie. Like those are some big time deals that that are coming up on on extensions. Um, Obviously, you throw into the mix. Jamar Chase is going to need a massive, you know, kind of market setting type deal at receiver down the line. That's after you pay Burrow. You're going to get some pretty significant. Uh, contract stuff that comes along here. So to me, it's, you know, it's what are these, what do you think of Logan Wilson long-term? What do you think of DJ Reader long-term? Because if you're going to do that with Higgins, you're going to have to make some, you're going to have to make some tough cuts wherever, some, some guys you're going to have to say goodbye to. And it's, you're going to have to look at the roster and make those decisions. And 2024 is going to be a really big year. I think this offseason kind of might be the year of the extension for some Bengals. You know, I wouldn't be surprised right. to see them try to get some deals done. Um, but again, like 2024 is going to be a really, really interesting offseason. And now it's only a year away. But can you afford to pay T. Higgins, you know, top twelve, top ten money? Depends. Uh it depends what uh depends what you're gonna do with some of those guys who are coming up, like I mentioned.
1: Well, to look at the numbers, um, you know, the market the high end of the market is Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams who are making on average 28, $30 million a year. I would think Jamar Chase would be upwards of that. Yeah, absolutely. And then T would be in that next group, which is around $20 million. So if you think about it, if you re-sign T, Jamar and Joe Burrow, that's uh, almost a hundred million dollars of cap space right there or a hundred dollars per year. And it's just not feasible. So, I mean, I I think that you know even if T is willing to take a discount, he's not going much lower than twenty million, um, in terms of what you know he could be worth. So I think the trade discussion comes in this year where you can give another team the option to have him for the extra year and, and be able to resign him. Um, so uh, you know I I think it makes some sense to think about it because I don't think you're going to be able to resign him with. Just what you've invested, what you have, what you're going to invest in Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow because those are the two guys you're going to essentially build your team around.
2: Yeah, and the um, yeah, you know, the you mentioned the you know those are the guys you're going to build your team around. You look at some of the trades like the the AJ Brown trade. Um, you know, you can point to oh well, the you know the Titans only got I think it was 18th and then 100 and something for, yeah. for that pick for Brown, uh, but when that happened. He also got a massive extension, so it's you know you, you're not really negotiating from a position of strength if if you're trading that player. Now you're trading a really good players, so you're obviously getting you know some kind of leverage, but you're not negotiating from as strong of a position as if you trade him now. Uh, and I think that you know that kind of needs to be um, needs to be thought about as the offseason goes along because you're obviously going to get way more than one first and one fourth or third whatever whatever that is, whatever that is 101st pick um, for,
0: for the brown trade but yeah whatever yeah that so was. like
2: whatever the third or fourth pick going in at, into another first like you're going to ask you get you're going to ask for more for that because not only is T not making a, a ton of money right now in terms of what he will be making um but you have that for a year and and that that's really really valuable but then counter argument to that is Bengals have a limited window before Burrow's contract hits. I mean, essentially it's damn the torpedoes and we'll deal with it later. We're going to try to win right now. So there's a lot of different ways to take it. Um, But, yeah, I I think that any talk of a trade at this point, like you said, is obviously really premature.
0: An interesting thing, too, uh, T. Higgins' agent is David Mulugueta, who is also Jesse Bates' agent. And, of course, uh, they butted heads last year, not literally, but Mulugeta did with the Bengals because, you know, Bates couldn't get to an agreement and that's why they tagged him. And so I don't know how awkward that would make it, but it's it's an interesting point when, when you look at how likely it is and what the negotiations look like. But, yeah, I mean, Higgins knows his worth. I mean, he might take a discount, but it ain't going to be less than the ballpark that Mike mentioned of, you know, whatever, $19, $20 million. But, I mean, he, he showed he's worthy of that. I mean, the, the catch he made against the Chiefs in the AFC title game, um, Just some of the ridiculously outstanding catches he's made have absolutely elevated the argument that he is a number one wide receiver on so many other teams uh, with, you know, a player not named Jamar Chase, where he's a number two in this case. So yeah, I mean, and you have to consider Chase who he's going to probably want an extension in 2024. And, you know, like, like you said, Andrew, this might be the year of the extension with Burrow or I guess, Andor Higgins and then next year, possibly with Chase, but man, all those free agents next year, are going to be huge. Those names you mentioned, like Awuzie and Reader and whatnot. So that is, uh, you know, and Tyler, Boyd, that's going to be critical. But stay with us uh, as later next week we're going to get into all things of, you know, who stays, who doesn't stay. We talked about Samaj P. Ryan. We talked about him. We'll talk about Eli Apple and some other names that we haven't haven't talked about more in depth. Uh, so follow along with us on that front. And stay with us on cleveland.com slash Bengals. We'll have more off-season coverage and thoughts on the Bengals uh, and what to expect moving forward. But once again, for myself, Andrew Gillis, and Mike Neisler, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. Have a great Friday and an even better week.